I'm Peter Marks, theater critic of The Washington Post. I'm Elizabeth Vincentilli. I write for The New York Times and The New Yorker. And I'm Terry Teachad, drama critic for The Wall Street Journal. Welcome to episode 36 of Three on the Isle, a podcast from New York about theater in America, hosted by American Theater Magazine, a publication of the Theater Communications Group. And it's, it's summer, in case you completely uh, missed out on the uh, 88 ugh. degrees outside. <laughs> and for a lot of people, summer means packing up the kids to camp. Some of those kids go to a very special place in the Catskills. It's a camp called Stage Door Manor. Now you may, I would assume our audience, of all audiences, would have heard of Stage Door Manor, which is a camp for theater kids. Right. Uh, and lots of great performers have been through its doors, its stage doors. Uh, Natalie Portman, uh, Shanna Taub, the composer, uh, Robert Downey Jr., who's put it to great effect in superhero movies. And today with us, we have two former campers from Stitcher Manor. So at the end of our last episode, uh, just to set this up, I was very, very praiseworthy of a show at uh, Playwrights Horizons called A Strange Loop, written uh, by Michael R. Jackson. And the star uh, of A Strange Loop, Larry Owens, is going to be here uh, he also happens to be a stage door, a manor alumnus. But first, we'll talk to Regina Castellanos, who is 19 and graduated from Stage Door earlier this month, about what the program is like today and what theater means to her and her peers more generally. Then we'll end the show in our usual fashion by talking about the shows that left the strongest impression on each of us since we last spoke, for better or for worse. Welcome, Regina. We're very glad to have you here. If you could start... By just filling in some background, tell us a little bit about what Stage Door is, how it works, what your experience there is like. So Stage Door, I mean, the first day you get there, it's hectic. Like the first three days, everyone's kind of like on a speedball. You're auditioning. The second you get there, you have orientation and everyone's kind of getting to know each other. And it's this really great environment and it's not competitive in a negative way it's competitive in a positive way where everyone's really supportive of one another um and then you're there for a full three weeks that's like equals a whole session so you basically kind of put up a show in like a week and five days that's what we kind of say and everything is six hour rehearsals we have our our time cabaret that's um a more simplified group of the camp where we're performing um a, an original kind of cabaret that was put together by old alumni. And um, it's just a great place to really go if you are so invested in theater and you know you're going to be in that kind of field one day. So what's the age range of these So the age range is from nine to um, senior year once you graduate. So it depends, like some graduate at 17, others graduate at 19 like I did. Okay. Uh, Regina, just tell us a little bit about yourself too. Are you from New York? Uh, So I've been living in New York for the past four years, but I've actually moved 16 times. Are you you a military kid? No. (laughs) No. um, My dad, he just changed jobs and kind of goes with the wind, as we say. (laughs) And so uh, uh, you're and you always aspire to be an actress. Is that the deal? Yeah. So I started when I was four. So your parents, did you know about Stage Door Manor when you were nine years old? Uh, No. So I found out about Stage Door when I was 13 and my mom kind of like found it online. And so that's when we all kind of connected and we're like, I want to go there. So we ended up choosing Stage Door and I went the next year. 
So you started uh, there, and was it an audition process to go there? No. So it's kind of like a year wait list. And it is. Yeah, it is. A lot of people are kind of trying to get there. So I applied when I was 13, and I ended up going when I was 14, yeah. I, I already have an idea for a play around like the idea of trying to get into stage <laughs> It's like a yeah. chorus line junior. You know, like, you know. So you've been there six times. Is that right? Yes. Six three-week sessions? Yes. Okay. What, what shows have you done while you were there? I have done. So my first year I did World Goes Round. Um, second year was Nice Work If You Can Get It. Then nice I, Work If You Can Get It? Yes. Probably my favorite show I did there. Um, then I did Will Rogers Follies, Half a Sixpence, Mamma Mia, and Titanic this year. Oh my God. So is the camp for musicals only? Oh no, they do plays. Stage Door is my time where I do musical theater. When I'm usually in the city, I do more playwriting, directing, and acting. Where do you, oh, so you're out of, are you in, are you in college now? I'm going into NYU Tisch. Yeah, You yeah. are? Oh, yeah. congratulations. I'm actually going to Playwright Horizons. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, so I'm excited. Tell me what these productions, what they look like. How professional do they look and seem? I mean, not just the acting, but the staging. It's amazing. Uh, I would say almost close to professional sometimes. Uh, the amount of work that goes into them, the tech, I mean, the tech crew there is insane. Like Who's the doing sets. the tech? Is that like a prominent... Well, it's staff. staff. It's staff. staff. Okay, yeah, no, so... they're working like 24 hours a day sometimes. They're building these sets in like such short amounts of time. So you can't come to Stage Door just to do tech? There are tech campers, actually. There's wow. people who do makeup, hair. There's not as many that go. I think we have like three sometimes a session. But it is a possibility if you're into tech. Yeah. Do you have any other spare time at all? Or are you totally immersed in the process of putting up the shows? I had more spare time when I was younger, when you're like more in the like ensemble or when you're kind of just, you know, doing the less big performances, I would say. Um, and when you're younger, you kind of have more free time to hang out. Volleyball is a big competitive thing at Stage Door. <laughs> um, so we're all constantly playing volleyball in our spare time. Um, but the older you get and like the bigger roles you end up getting, you use like those spare times to really start memorizing and getting to work. Um, but yeah. Are, are there, are most of the campers Planning on theater or, or stage or film careers? Yes. Actually, our whole senior class this year is going to school for um, And theater. how many people is that? I think we were about 18, I want to say. 18 Everyone is going into a professional yeah. program yeah. of some kind or college yeah. program? Yeah, most of us are going to NYU. There's, um, I think we had Michigan. We had a few, we had a lot of schools. So, yeah. What, what I'm curious about is like for a long time, I mean, uh, musical, we'll talk about musical theaters here because that seems to be more your, your focus but it, it had this totally like well I mean the book is called Theater Geek it had this really super nerdy thing do you feel like what's the perception of musical theater among younger folks uh, do you feel like part of the pop culture at large in general as a musical theater person or someone who wants to work in that or do you feel a kind of discrepancy I'm just I'm always fascinated by that relationship between the two so I went to a very academic school um and it wasn't the easiest thing kind of juggling both lives, I would say. Um, a lot of the kids in my school end up going for business and become like this big CEO. And I was the complete opposite. So it was interesting having to go through the college process, especially, and being like, I'm doing musical theater or acting. Like, that is my path. Um, and you do have to fight for it sometimes, I would say, and have your reason to kind of back it up. 
But I would say that nowadays theater is really supported and my friends like they love seeing like my performances or they love seeing like things that I'm creating. It's kind of a very diverse, I would say. But it's interesting to me that the shows that you mentioned Mm -hmm. are all sort of from the, you know, a time before you were born, basically, Regina, (laughs) and even Titanic. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't I think that was on Broadway before you were born. Um, Does it? feel like a disconnect to you. I mean, the word, you know, I'm not sure that your generation in general Mm -hmm. uh, knows that sort of canon of theater or Mm -hmm. really cares that much about that. No, I mean, I think we do, actually. I think it's really important, especially with everything that's going on right now in society. I think we can connect with things that were happening during the Titanic time. And now it's Hmm. kind of like an interesting way of putting our situation into that time period. Well, well, how the show's chosen like who like because like who's gonna pick titanic <laughs> so we have artistic no we have artistic staff who like host auditions once we get there and the shows are pre-chosen but nobody has any idea of the shows that's like so you're kind of auditioning for a big mystery oh you don't know what you're auditioning no for? no you yeah. just prepare material yeah, to you audition? prepare material oh. and the first day it's right off the back you are auditioning and then you have a big reveal on wednesday morning and, and then, they cast you know what role you've gotten in everything yes and then literally 15 minutes later you're in rehearsal <laughs> wow yeah and how many hours a day is it devoted to theater so we have four hours rehearsals for your big like main stage production and then two hours for the OTC cabaret. Yeah. Are there classes that you take beyond uh, doing the shows? Tell us about that. You have three options. Like you have three classes um, a day, unless if you're the OTC, the OTC takes up those two classes. The third class is free. Um, You, you have such a big variety. You have to take movement, singing, acting. That's like kind of like a, you have variety of choices though. So yeah. How many people come with headshots? <laughs> um, I would say... I mean, say, is it that kind of environment? I mean, not really. I think, like, the first year, like, people who, like, are a little nervous going into it will right. just in case, but not really, no. So it's... That, it, that, that, that they know of. Yeah. <laughs> that we know of, yeah. So how did you first hear about Stage Door? Stage Door. So I actually went to Frenchwoods before. Which is the other big camp. Yeah, so I went to the rival camp before. <laughs> I love yes. that there's a rival <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and the Sharks. Yeah. Um, and everyone was talking about Stage Door, like, oh, Stage Door. And I was like, what's Stage Door? And my mom, like, looked it up eventually and we're like, oh, that's really focused in theater. And I was like, that's where I'm going next year. Oh, yeah. so it was because Frenchwoods wasn't intense enough? No, Frenchwoods is just, <laughs> no, Frenchwoods is a really good camp. It was just not as focused in theater. I think it has like a way more variety of activities. How do your parents feel about the career that you're pursuing? So I'm the only theater kid in my whole family. With like grandparents and everyone, they were like a little skeptical at first. But then eventually like they started coming to my shows and they became really supportive about it. But what if you don't get a big role? I mean, you've been there for six summers. Yes. I mean, I assume the people have an expectation that you progress from the chorus <laughs> to yeah. the to the leads. Yeah. I have no idea what role you played in Titanic, although it is kind of an ensemble piece, yeah, so yeah. it's really not for... But is there a, a feeling of 
there must be some competition. There must be some feeling that, you know, people, oh, she got the role. Of course, Regina got the part. <laughs> I mean, I would say it used to be a little more competitive than it is nowadays. Um, I mean, six years ago, it was a lot more competitive. And like there was like this group of people that were just much more competitive. But then nowadays, I think it's cooled down. <laughs> yeah. He's waiting in the wings. He's, he's, making, he's, he's, having, he's having paroxysms back there. Oh my God, wait, wait. They have to bring Larry in. Yeah, right well, now. we have another microphone. But that's the no, but, share. I mean, nowadays it's not. I mean, there are the people who are expected to get like the bigger roles, but it's not in a negative, competitive way. I would hmm. say, yeah. So I got to know: Are you being scouted? <laughs> Seriously? Me? No. <laughs> are agents coming to the camp oh. or college people? They. Oh um, yeah, because colleges are really recruiting. <laughs> Recruiting. Colleges no, don't recruit. If you go to CMU or Tisch really? or Michigan. For the, for the pre-college, no. I mean, if you do it, they know you. But I don't, oh. colleges don't really recruit. No, not for, it's not yeah. like, you no, know, but gonna basketball you or football. They, they, yeah, you, Regina Castellanos, she can play next season. She'll play Frederica in all my music. It's perfect. And then, and then she's going to be traded to CMU. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's yeah. not quite that no, intense. No, no. I but mean, it is. Everybody has a is on a professional track. You're yes, saying. Yes. Yes. So I you mean, see people, I mean, who've gone through the program uh, before you, who become names. I for mean, better, I wonder, but, um, for me, it was interesting because I started. I was 13, 14 when I was first started. So then, basically, I was the little girl in like the older cast per se, and then. My second year, I was more of a like special featured role, and you do progress. I mean, and you're playing Miss Hannigan. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, right. I was playing um, Kate McGowan Titanic, so it was uh, one of the Irish girls. Yeah. So basically, they have that great song. Oh my god, I love that song. I had song. so much fun. It's a great that. score. Yeah. No, I, it was a gorgeous score, and it was complicated for the amount of time that we had, but we pulled it through. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say that most people do progress, and by their senior year, I mean they're happy with what they've gotten and like how much they've grown in the past years. At this point, what would you say that you've gotten out of this? Um, I would say I got the artistic intensity out of me. Like the whole year, I'm really focused um, in academics and like writing and things like that because in the city sometimes like in high school it's hard to really and you know put in a lot of effort into like main stage productions and at stage door i kind of rely on that training that i don't get throughout the full year mm. um and i think if i mean if some people might say no but i really do think it's that training that's going to really prepare you for college and for the real world and the community that you just kind of get out of stage door the it real really world helps. of theater yes <laughs> And I guess just to wrap it up with you, Regina, do you, um, does it change your aspirations? What do you want it? What is your, what's the goal now, Regina? Yeah. So when I started, I was just like, I'm going to do musical theater for the rest of my life. No. And now um, within especially the past two years, I kind of really developed writing, directing, producing. I just finished four of my own things. Um, and so now I just, yes, I'm going to continue musical theater, but really focus on my play, like playwriting and acting and just doing like a whole diverse of field i would say because yeah. you're understanding you really need a lot yeah, of tools especially in your belt. nowadays it's crazy how competitive it is and i feel like it's really needed and stage door did really teach me that i really feel like you've opened up to a door to another world one about which i i just don't know anything it's absolutely fascinating to me can i ask one last question yes do you read reviews sometimes <laughs> <laughs> oh my god 
like to go this... into like productions with my with no opinion before me and then see if I agree or not. Smart young woman. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Regina. Thank you so much. This thank is you. great. You gave us a great sort of uh, uh, lay of the land, the roadmap to how stage door manner <laughs> can be such a important part of the training for yeah. a young actor. Growing up. And growing up. <laughs> but thank you, Regina. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Our second guest also went to stage door manner and that's Larry Owens. Now, Larry is like a sextuple threat. A what? A sextuple. 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 I, I thought that's what you said. Quadruple is not enough. Like, Got he's it. taking it to a whole other level. Right. Uh, you're a writer, performer, comedian, a kind of full-time tornado. That's uh, four. And current uh, uh, actor, singer. Five, six. Okay. You, know, you did I'm it. Sure you play Mazel some tov. I'm sure you play some instrument, right? Okay, and you're right, and the guy does it all. All right, and now we're at seven. Well, I lost count. Yeah. Currently, me too. Currently staring, starring uh, in a great new musical called A Strange Loop by Michael R. Jackson at Playwrights Horizon. It's running until July 28th, so I believe you'll still have time to see it by the time this podcast drops. And it can't be the last we're going to see of that. Oh, I my God, expect no. I will be seeing I it think... in another place. Yes, L I got to believe. Larry and... and Larry will tell us all. Yes, Larry will tell us all. <laughs> Larry, you're allowed to talk anytime you want. You okay, okay, sorry. Oh, no, okay. no, 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 don't, don't hold back. It's, it's really fun to watch him quivering. He's, I know, I know. He's He's like, like, what should I say to this? There's a lot of podcast culture. There's like, you know, the guest lead in. You oh, we know, don't care. And so we don't care. Why would I want to interrupt That's the, true. Uh, we, have to, we have no culture. You're step on your moment. We're ready the for you. Yes. We have no culture. Thank you. Oh, my God. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to come Thank in you. And talk to oh us. my god especially doing that show which is seriously that show what larry does in that show if you have not seen it is absolutely incredible because you're on stage the entire time yes there's <laughs> the script must have i'm gonna guesstimate a million words uh, i one day we'll count and then we'll have to go back and, and then and you'll have a heart count attack. the notes as well should we shouldn't you you want to tell elizabeth a little bit about what the show is for yeah. people oh, who don't know okay. a strange loop I, I get so excited i'm sorry I'm, I, I'm a strange like a huge strange loop fan so i'm yeah. completely excited <laughs> I think everybody perfectly knows a loopy. A loopy. I, I think they might be called loopies now no, yeah. i'm yeah. a loopy so uh in a strange loop uh, larry plays usher who's a uh, black gay musical theater writer writing a show about a black gay musical theater writer who's writing a show about a black gay musical writer. <laughs> Thus the loop. He's, he's, he's a bit of like the alter ego of the creator of the show, Michael R. Jackson. I think it's fair to say. Didn't I say when we were hearing this described that it sounded like a Mobius strip on stage? It'll be, it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, or, yeah. or, or, or a Nesher drawing. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's, Nesher it's drawing is mirror. huge. And it's yeah. filled out by six other performers yes, who, right. play, who play Michael's, uh, who's Usher's thoughts. Yeah. Right. So it's basically a solo show, but seen through Usher and his, inter it's his internal monologue with himself expressed by six thoughts. Six extras. And, and what's the journey that Usher goes on in your mind, Larry? How do you describe what we see over the course of yeah. the show? <laughs> okay. Oh, and, we, and, and we're going to slap an explicit label on this, so please. Oh, okay, great. So I can use language found in the show. Fine. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. You, may, you may say fuck yeah. on, on three on the eye. Okay, great. Um, so the journey that Usher goes on, I guess... Uh, 
the clearest thing is that he's writing the show that you're watching. So you see Usher, a 20 something writer in New York City, and today, like, so the things that you would go through today, where, you know, your agent may, may have you write something that you might not be passionate about, or you might try to find a boyfriend on a, a dating app or a sex app, maybe <laughs> a better title. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you might have parental expectations that uh, that got you to New York City, that, that fuel your work, but that you haven't really reconciled with because you're so busy trying to find yourself. And I would say also, it's almost, it does at times feel like a two-hour nervous breakdown. It definitely <laughs> has a fever dream type quality. <laughs> it definitely is contiguous movement. Like just, it it it's, does not stop. It's like a train that, that I just hop on. And, and there's some wonderful satire that, uh, you know, anybody who knows, for example, Tyler Perry, without giving anything away, will, uh, <laughs> will enjoy. I think the, you just uh, did. Certainly. Well, I mean, well, no, that's not a big one. That's not yeah. a big one. I yeah. feel like it's, it's safe to say that Tyler is an offstage character in the yes, play exactly. <laughs> that we call upon um, yes. to help us tell our story. Well, right. if I may ask, how does your character track with your own personal experience? Well, so interestingly enough, I like in the last year, I had this shift from being like, I identified as a musical theater performer or rather an actor, because if it doesn't have music, I'll still do it. But um, then I was brought into the comedy community, mm. like the Brooklyn alt comedy scene, which is writing. And so I became a writer and suddenly in like a, the skill that I had, you know, been like burnishing like at stage or manner and like sort of in secret, I was like now forced to like send in scripts and like start wow. pitching projects. And so I know a little bit about like what it takes for Usher to want to get it right. I think I know what it takes for him to want to make money, but also to do something that is representative of the complexity of queer black Americans mm. today, and and so I want my my work, and I don't have the same code of ethics as Michael. Michael has a much <laughs> yeah. higher. There are there are some moments that are more quite raw. Yeah, but but say. Michael, but Michael's. I'm saying that in like I'm saying in the opposite way. Like Michael actually like his intent for the piece and like what he wants. I believe I'm putting words in his mouth, but like I feel like the piece is written to really shift a conversation mm. in a really strong way. That like I don't put in my work. Like <laughs> I am, like I, when I'm writing something it's sort of staunch comedy with like some heart and you know like the do people mistake Larry, you for Michael. Okay, okay, so we've had the best like black um, celebrities come to the show, <laughs> right. and now we're like bringing them down to the green room, and uh, and everyone thinks that I wrote the play. And, <laughs> and, and James Franco was there last night, and he was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you wrote this!" And I like had to break it Wait, to are him. You, are you counting James Franco as one of the black no, celebrities? No, I, I took a huge leap. Yeah, um, no, we understood. Yeah, no, we got it. James was not in the green room; he was in the lobby. Um, <laughs> I had to. Bring Bring it to to him and to Latanya Richardson Jackson and Lee Daniels. I had to look these people in the eye and say, "No, I did not write it." But I I say <laughs> that if I wrote it, then that would be actually like next level like that to have that skill of like Michael is responsible for every piece of black ink on the page so that's music notes that's Amazing. commas that's stage directions that's vocal arrangements it's everything from his mind you channel it so complete so thoroughly and so entertainingly and so convincingly it's understandable that people think it's yours you oh own it in a way that makes it 
uh, indelible oh, thank you. for an audience. So, you know, it, it, it's it's obviously the ultimate compliment to be thought of as the person who I'll wrote this it. thing. I'll take it. I'll take it. And yeah. I'm not going to tell people that I didn't write it anymore. I'm just going to let them believe no. it. What, but uh, What you did was answer an ad. <laughs> and I wish that you would share with us the text of the... Facebook oh, that's post. right. The oh, Facebook you, uh, casting call oh, that Michael oh, put out. It's oh, too good what? to be true. So. Well, because, because for a little while, uh, to backtrack a little bit, so my, Michael has been working on the show for quite a while. It's been through various incarnations. He he worked it out, you know, in con like he worked out some songs in concerts that he was singing himself. And about four years ago, correct me if I'm wrong, but he decides, okay, he's going to have someone else play the role of Usher. Mm. So he put something on Facebook that's yeah, it. yeah, and Michael is like, uh, <laughs> I'm looking for an overweight black actor <laughs> who can sing but has the energy of Mary Louise Parker. <laughs> if she if she were in an that's Annie so Baker play, in a what play? In an Annie Baker play. That's that's, that's so specific. <laughs> I know, and I and I responded. And you showed up. I responded very humbly. I would like to take a look at it, you know, until you find the person. Like I just, yeah, it was it was at this moment where the Musical Theater Factory, a great great nonprofit organization, which is how a strange loop really got to the stage like i call four years ago like part two of the development i know that michael has his like very long history with the play but like what you see on stage with like those bodies and like with this version of the storytelling really began there wow and i was just like i i knew that it was coming up i like knew that shakina nafak that then artistic director like was bringing michael's work and of the composers hanging around the mm -hmm. musical theater factory he was the only one that i looked like so <laughs> when it came time to do it i was just so it was just i i, I think it's what we call kismet mm. kismet is well, there a, go, go on let's do the flashback how did All you right. get from stage door to a strange loop. Actually, how did you get to Stage Door? Yes, how did you get to Stage Door? Okay, so where are you, where are you from? Where I'm from Baltimore. I uh, so I, I'm from the east side of Baltimore. Very, very. I like to say that it's like not geographically far from Broadway, but it's ideologically like <laughs> very, very far, very far away from from just from getting into this very rarefied uh, like line of work that I do. And so I, it was uh, the. the the movie camp was like it was it was out and i was like and i knew that i wanted to go there but i like i knew that there was no way like i was like my education has always been paid for by like the benevolent white folks like you know what i mean on the boards of these schools hmm. and so kind of like when what's your name again regina regina, <laughs> regina. Yeah. like you are regina okay i was i thought that we were doing like a mean girls thing yeah, exactly. because you should we, be we going just in called her regina <laughs> I, I, exactly <laughs> i was like kind of like what, what regina was saying like it's hard to justify artistic experiences as a kid. If I said that I wanted to go to space camp or like to engineering camp, then it would have been, that would have been an easy right. letter to write Got to it. the benefactress. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But saying that I- I want to sing and dance. That, that I have stars in my eyes or like, or even for me, there is like a, there was a huge thing of being like, I deserve this. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. to even say that felt right. really, really wrong. Right. And so I like, I, I applied for scholarships at Sage Door. They said that they gave them out, but I wasn't in an art school. I wasn't, wasn't as polished or something? I didn't have the resume. Right. I was at this academic boarding school in Virginia. I was in, I was like nine and ten. No resume? No resume. Larry! I had so, in Baltimore, like, 
like really weirdly like Tyler Perry was like the offering to me for theatrical diet like when you say that you like theater as like a young black boy in an urban environment they're like oh you like stage plays like put on put on Medea and right. so I grew up on that on that but then <laughs> the Grease Grease was released uh, and re-released in theaters and I was like I have to go and see this and my mom didn't take me but then she got me the VHS for Christmas Aww. and uh, and on that tape they advertised The Sound of Music and then she got me that and on that tape they advertised it's My fantastic. Fair Lady oh and my so God. then wow. I sort of like built up my like great American song oh book my God. Uh, knowledge so and that really like fed the fire for me about musical theater storytelling like there's just something about Maria Von Trapp who I don't look like so far from Baltimore and everything that I knew but like when she was singing on that hilltop with the, helica the helicopter shot oh, yeah. like longing for the peace and resolve of All music right. now you've just, got now you've, you've got now you've got me thinking of only you and Maria Von Trapp Lyra. So I, <laughs> we're hearing a lot these days about the relevance or lack of relevance of older shows and Regina before you and now you are both telling us that you have mm. followed the same path of traditional works onto the stage. Yes, you, no, yeah, I would say that this? that is really false, like that, that young people don't respect older stuff. I think that it actually is sort of like a badge of honor to know stuff, to be, if you're as passionate about things as like Regine and I are, or any student who goes to stage student, like we call them students, like who goes to right. stage door manor, like, it is pride and honor. You have, if you're going to do something exciting in the future like you have to know what came before you gotta know the and territory you gotta, gotta know, know the, the territory. territory meredith wilson book music lyrics jonathan larson book music lyrics michael r jackson book music lyrics speaking of michael r jackson is his the form is very much in the tradition yeah, of the opening Broadway number user. i want song intrusion charm song we just go there's a pageant there's an 11 o'clock number we really really hit it like, totally. almost biblically. there's a reason totally. why people write shows that way it's because they but, work. It absolutely yeah. but, but works. But the is like a, is also from, follows a very traditional format. I mean, you know, like that's a, exactly that's a reason that it works. It is completely tried and true, and it really, really works. And that's the exciting thing is that what I experienced in my comedy career is like using these tenets of musical theater storytelling that we know always work, and just putting it in like a radical space, like the back room of a dive bar. You know what I mean? Or like recontextualizing it right. with a song about you know identity. You know what I mean? In a way, in my own vocabulary. So like, mm -hmm. I can't do that without knowing. How, how everything works. I could not be in a strange loop without knowing how every musical from, from book musical to concept musical to review, like to know those forms, to be able to subvert it and critique it. And I hope everybody out there is paying attention to this, <laughs> to both of these interviews. This is something very important that the two of you are telling us. Yeah, and Stage Door Manor really is that place that fosters that because you don't get a choice of what show you're in. Yeah. So like, you could be in the Will Rogers Follies and now you have to go and find out who Tommy Toon is. Now like every time you mm. hear Tommy Toon, you're connecting that to the legacy of, you know, now what's become like the Jerry Mitchell, you know, style of choreography. And <laughs> Elizabeth no, is dancing in the studio. No, I, no, I love it because it's totally true. I mean, that's yeah. really how it works, yeah. Yeah, and then from that foundation, we can innovate on top of it but knowing that it's always only going to be bodies in a room 
Do, do some kids not make it there? I mean, are there kids who well, find that they just can't? There are. There are. Either you have... They wash out of theater camp? <laughs> yeah, that's you, mean. Oh, you mean at, at there or later? Okay, there. Well, I feel like there, either you have the confidence but no talent, so it's hard for your ego and you want to go home, or you have... Uh, or, or the food. Or, or and I, I guess Regina's talking about um, things are changing, but definitely when I was there, and we we were coming off of a wave of even more competitive like uh, people, like they were beginning to like loosen the reins on like how the camp structure mirrored the industry. Ah, interesting. <laughs> and that it really is that way, and it prepared me for the realities of it, which mm. is like, these are your friends. These are the people who you will make art with. These are the people who will wow. support your art. These are the people who will give you the notes on your art that wow. you should be taking. And these are people whose art you're gonna watch to inspire you. Mm. And that's how you're gonna get your job. I did not, I'm not playing the Disney Usher in a Strange Loop by walking into a room of white people looking at me, judging the choices that I've made on six pages of the script of a, a whole you know, wow. journey. I'm right. there because my friends, like kept me in a place of, uh, I don't know, just passion and inspiration that I never gave up. That's and I fantastic. went to the musical theater factory and there was Michael. Wow. That's a so great. I'm curious, like, wait, wait, which shows did you do when you were, when you were at camp? Okay, so I was, <laughs> I just did an interview for Forbes and I talk a little bit about like being like as like a black camper who can hit an A. Like my roles were predetermined for me because I, I was really a commodity there. At my boarding oh. school, I was like being old man, you know, you're overweight, you play old man, <laughs> authority figure. And like, obviously there's like a second or third fiddle comedic thing we can always do. So um, did you I, get the beards built on you that's what happened to me no but they would rent the costumes you know and like mr bumble we hit that authority figure eugene third string and greece that's a comedic um my senior year of high school actually they put me in the ensemble like just truly despite me anyway we're talking about stage door these wounds these wounds I, they're at your school and do you find at your school that you're disrespected for your art but then at stage door you're upheld Ooh, yes. that's a good line. Oh my God, they're bonding. Clapping. Yeah. They're bonding. Oh my God, listening to her interview, I was just like, everything is right. Everything is right, except for when you started to do shots fired at me and Natalie and our <laughs> friends. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, so at Stage Door, I had iconic black roles. My friend Nick Christopher is playing uh, George Washington and Hamilton on Broadway right now, and he was there at the same time. And see, he's a leading man. So he was de facto leading man, non-racial. Non so he had to be in Grand Hotel while while I was oh. over in you know the outdoor tent theater as Judas and Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> well, that's so, not so terrible. I know. That's where I started. So I went part. to Stage Door, and then I was like, I can do this. Well, that's. I was given an opportunity. Part. Judas to is the best part. That was my first part at Stage oh Door. God, I, I walked in, had vibrato, and they were like, "Here's what you, <laughs> here's what you got." And I was so, I was elated, and it was hard. Beanie Feldstein was in the ensemble of that oh show. My no. God. Yes, my oh, first show. Yes, Beanie. Yes. So. Beanie was in the ensemble of my first show, just like dancing her ass off. I was playing Judas and like just, it, it was really awesome. And then after that, I did um, Collins and Rent. 
Oh, oh my yeah, God. Yeah. Like, yeah. Play, like, like okay. Ben Vereen had been Judas on Broadway, so <laughs> I'm like, seeing the pattern here. Yeah. yeah, so then I did Collins and Rent. Tom and Collins then, and Rent. Uh, then I did Man One in Songs for a New World. Oh, oh, yes. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. And then a I. A perennial at Stage Door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you did songs? No, we did. Well, we did World Goes Round. Oh, okay, the round. Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. All right, Kander and Ep, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Different day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And then my final role, actually, I didn't do a musical. I went out because they were doing The Wiz as a half kitty show, and I knew that I would have been the lion in that. But (laughs) I was was at a place where I was like, I will play this in my life. I don't need to play this at Stage Door Manor. So I was the stage manager in our town. Oh, you oh wow. Yes. You had big stuff. That's great. Seriously, what was that like? That was, I, that was really, it was a test of the rigor because you got two weeks to put it up. And you have two weeks, and for me, it was like two weeks to understand what we are doing. Yeah, and memorize oh it. And like and like the last stage manager, he carried a book. And I, you know that Larry Owens was not about to carry a book. Of course so, so. I, <laughs> so really, and Even probably, David Cromer carried a clipboard. He carried a clipboard? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he used it, but he has. <laughs> David, David's seen Strange Loop twice. Hi, David oh, yeah. Cromer, if you're listening, I love you. I, <laughs> but I played the stage manager, and that was, yeah, it was, I just really, I just loved the space mm. and the community of Stage Door. Like, I got to do the stuff. I right. got to, I got to taste what it was like to be honored for my contributions. And you got to do it all day. Got to do it all day. All day, and with like the people who've become my lifelong friends. Wow! And the people who have like facilitated, like through their own privilege, like my ability to like continue to be like a New York City artist. Wow. Okay, we want to know about Liz Fair. What's the deal about Liz Fair? Yeah. Okay, you so- have two Liz Fair fans at least. <laughs> Liz Fair is heavily influential to the writer of A Strange Loop, Michael R. Jackson. She honestly prompted the piece and the title of it. The title of A Strange Loop comes from one of her songs uh, at the end of one of her albums. And so she had a concert at Brooklyn's... It was in Prospect Park. Prospect Park. A couple of weeks ago, yeah. And uh, Michael was there and Elizabeth wrote this really great profile on Michael. (laughs) And it's been on Twitter. And now Liz who is like the inner white girl of the show. She is like the yeah. the main effigy of our show. She's like the, the North Star. She's the, the North Star of our there's show. There's great references to Exile in Gayville. Which... <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of the song. And people don't get these nuggets. It's Exile in Gayville. Like yeah. one of the lyrics is Supernova. Like right. after like a really horrifying um, experience for the character, he goes, I hate to make this a fucking run. Like there's so many Easter eggs for Liz um, uh, in the show. So she she responded to Michael and said, I need eight tickets. <laughs> and Michael's like, if you're serious, we will get you into the super sold out That's ride. Great. I was saying that, like, honestly, to me, it was like really rock and roll that she wasn't gonna come. Yeah. But I like I like that she possibly will, but I do not want to know when she's there. I could not tell if it was a joke or not. She's so great. I know, yeah, she's I know. so great. Very, Who knows? Like, well, we want to hear after she does come oh my God. what oh my has God. happened. Yes, yeah. listeners, request a follow-up episode. <laughs> well, well totally. as we said, I don't, even though it, it's the last performance at Playwrights is on the 28th. Yes. I'm not, I am predicting that this is not the uh, end of the oh, run of definitely this, not. this music <laughs> call. Well, I, I, I haven't seen it because of 
personal issues. And I have heard so much about it from my colleagues, from others. I read about it. Now sitting next to you in the studio, I got to see this show. You got to oh, see it, right? Come and see it. It's, oh my God. It's really, it's, we're, we're like, we're wrapping up now. It's right. been four years of work and like three years of that, I just had to like talk about it like it was the best thing. And so it was kind of like my secret where I was like, it's just so good and like, it's too heady, I can't explain it to you. But like, when you see it, you'll live for it. And like, now people are seeing it and living for it. And now I'm like, okay, we have two weeks to, to get it out. And then... And then oh, uh, I, I wouldn't worry about that. I, th yeah. I think you're gonna. Yeah, I you're you're, you're not yeah. done with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not have any, yeah. I don't have it's, any. It's, it's, it's a strange <laughs> moment, no Good. doubt about it. Good. It's well, a, thank you so much, thank Larry, you so for much. being with Thanks. us. Oh my God. We really appreciate it. <laughs> and now let's wrap things up with our usual discussion of shows we've seen and loved or hated, though they tend increasingly to be shows that we loved since our last podcast. Elizabeth, let's start with you. Well, I, I did not love, uh, <laughs> Hall although I did not hate it either, but I did definitely did not love it. I did not love uh, Hallie Pfeiffer's Moscow, 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 Moscow. There's six of them, so. Moscow, uh, Moscow, 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 Moscow. Uh, which I, you may have guessed is a, uh, an adaptation of Three Sisters, uh, which is trans it's still in Russia, but it's kind of now-ish. And it's been translated basically in vocal fry and, and upspeak. Um, it's, it's very fast and very glib. And the characters tell us over and over and over how much they're bored, which we already know because we've seen Three Sisters. Uh, so I was pretty disappointed by it. But the one upshot of it is the cast is wonderful. There are actors that I always enjoy seeing. Stephen Boyer, of course, uh, always great. And yeah, where's I know, he been? I know, I'm right? such a fan of his. He's wonderful in that, but he has a small part. He was on. He's been on television. Right. Oh, okay. He's making money. All yeah, right. I, it's I okay really, to make money. Yeah. I really thought Hand to God would just, you know, make him tremendous the, the fun. star I was that on it, yeah. he deserves to be. But he kind of anyway. So he's back in a small part. Uh, Tevi Givenson is wonderful. Uh, I, they're all great, uh, but what? What a waste of talent because mm. they have, it just feels like, okay, I mean, it's one of those shows where you really get the idea within 10 minutes and mm. then it just kind of runs yeah. in place. I just yeah. haven't very connected with her as a playwright. I've very much enjoyed some of the past shows, but this one feels like kind of like class exercise that should have stayed in a drawer. Mm. Anyway. Mm. Well, I... Uh, I wanted to talk just briefly about a, a, a play that is actually not even in production yet. It's a work in progress that I saw up at the O'Neill. I'm not allowed to review it because I didn't actually see it in performance. I actually read it and, uh -oh. and did a story about a George Brandt's play called Tender Age, which is a really uh, up to the minute really uh, idea. He takes it's a one man show played by a Latino actor and it takes place in a detention center on the southern border. Wow. And it's about a guard, a Latino guard who discovers after being hired, uh, needs a job desperately that he's going to be guarding children. And it's a very poetic uh, uh, exploration of his world, the world he discovers. It goes off into a hallucinatory uh, uh, avenue path, which is interesting because, you know, the one thing I do find annoying about sort of docu-drama kind of pieces in the theater is I'm not so sure that people want to see, you know, just what they're seeing on the news on a stage. This is not that. 
This is imagining something we don't see on the news, which is the the interior life of a of a guard and also what happens to these children in one of these facilities through Brant's. Brant was the guy who wrote Grounded, the play uh, about the fighter pilot. I like that. Yes, he's a like very a smart playwright. Mm -hmm. And this work uh, was played by Carlo Alban. The, uh, the guard was played by Carlo Alban, who was in Sweat on Broadway, played Oscar the Latino oh, right, yeah. who takes over the job. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, anyway. and so I, I think this thing is going to be in high demand soon. I think the minute this is, he polishes this and, 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 and well, it theaters. certainly sounds better than that. What was that Robert Schenken? The worst. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah that was, Jesus. that was too uh, literal. Yeah. When it's literal, it becomes, I think, sort of dry and academic. L literal political theater is absolutely the worst. Yeah. It's just unbearable. Right. Well, there was that sort of whole movement also of um, verbatim theater mm -hmm. that we were getting, like Guantanamo was a piece. Like some of it can be interesting, mm -hmm. and and but I think that it really needs to be spun in a direction that has theatrical life, and mm -hmm. this. I hope we'll have that. You know, there are other ways of being relevant. And the show that I want to talk about, I took a night off and went up to uh, Massachusetts uh, earlier this week to see uh, the Berkshire Theater Group's revival of Thornton Wilder's The Skin of Our Teeth. Hmm. That is a show that after having been for several decades, uh, the great white whale of American theater talked about but never seen, has suddenly... Uh, found itself in professional revival. This is the third professional production of The Skin of Our Teeth that I reviewed in the last two years. It was done first at Theater uh, for a New Audience in Brooklyn two years ago, then by a small company done on a small scale in a black box in Washington, Constellation Theater Company. This is somewhere in the middle. It's done in a 300-seat house on a proscenium stage. Directed by David Auburn, whom, of course, most of us know as a playwright, uh, the author of Proof. He is also, though, has a sideline as a director of classic American plays of the past. Last year, he directed Robert Sherwood's The Petrified Forest up in Berkshire hmm. Theatre Group. This production could not have been better in any way. And one of the reasons why it landed so hard is because people are turning to the skin of our teeth because it is a play about how America copes with itself in moments of crisis. You know, the three acts are set in the Ice Age, the Great Flood, and then immediately after the end of World War II. Uh, Auburn is, I'm not sure very careful is the right phrase, but he is scrupulous about not updating the content of the show not underlining the relevance to the present moment. He simply presents the show as written, staged with complete simplicity and truth. And every moment in it lands, and you sit there and you watch it, and you say, how could Thornton Wilder have known what the world was going to be like now? It is, uh, all three of these productions have been exceptional. And I, I cannot help but think, having seen this production, which was, as I say, done on a medium scale. The original Broadway production required 30 actors. Uh, this one was done with 10 and 6 uh, student extras. I cannot help but feel that someone is going to bring the skin of our teeth to Broadway. And that's where it belongs. Hmm. And this production, if you've got a chance to come up to the Berkshires and see it, you could not meet this rarely seen play in a more uh, totally convincing way, mm. which is all that we have time for today. 
So uh, this has been a lively one. Uh, <laughs> what wonderful guests. I will try to do as well for you next time. Until then, I'm Terry T. Chant. I'm Elizabeth Vincentelli, and I swear I will uh, slow down the coffee next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have as much caffeine as you want, Elizabeth. Oh, oh I don't think we so. We love you that way. I don't uh, think so. And I'm Peter Marks. You've been listening to Three on the Isle, a podcast from New York about theater in America. Hosted by American Theatre Magazine, our producer is, for now and forever, Alex <laughs> Barish. You can follow us on Twitter at 3 on the Isle and write to us at 3 on the Isle at gmail.com. Both of them are spelled out. Please let us know what other topics you'd like to hear on future episodes. Write to us for sure because we like that mail and we answer it. And don't forget to leave a review or rating on iTunes or Google Play. Thanks once again for listening. We'll see you again soon on the aisle.